stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. Well, it's probably hard to pinpoint an exact uh, starting date of the kids in the hall, but uh, given that the show uh, started in 1988, it is kind of a, an opportunity to reflect on 30 years uh, of this legendary comedy troupe. Uh, and they themselves, the kids in the hall, have been doing a lot of that uh, with the reunion tour and a lot of them talking publicly uh, about the show and about their own comedy history. And it's the subject of a new book, uh, The Kids in the Hall, One Dumb Guy. Uh, it is the authorized biography of the comedy troupe. Paul Myers uh, is the author of the book, and he is in town. An appearance tonight at WordFest, 7 p.m. at the Memorial Park Library. Paul Myers, great to have you with us here. Welcome oh, it, to the program. It's really good to be here, especially because I haven't been here in 15 years. And having written this book, it's so much of it is a is yeah. it started in Calgary. So it's it's kind of like I'm touching the uh, the roots of the kids in the hall here. Well, and yeah, I think a lot of people in Calgary might not know that. I suspect there are some who do, but uh, I think it was um, it was like improv or theater sports. There were yeah. not all of them. Well, mind the you. original theater sports was here. Yes, Keith Johnstone started it in Calgary at the Loose Moose Theater, and and so right. that's where Mark McKinney. And Bruce McCullough and one of the writers of the show is Norm Hiscock. And they were all part of uh, teams here called The Audience. They called themselves The Audience. And that's that's the half that let, sent themselves out east. Okay. So so there is definitely that, that Calgary connection uh, to Kids in the Hall. Um, but obviously the rest of them weren't, weren't from here. I, Bruce McCullough, I mean, he's got his connection to Calgary. And I know he's, he's talked about that um, and, and others as well. But... So you got these guys in Calgary doing their thing, and then you got other members uh, who are in Toronto doing yeah. their thing. So, so yeah. what brings them together? Well, so actually it's theater sports ultimately because uh, the kids in the hall were originally a troupe with Dave Foley and uh, and Kevin McDonald and a couple of other guys, Luciano Casamiri, and these guys were doing theater sports in Toronto. Meanwhile, these, uh, you know, Bruce and Mark and a few other people, Frank Van Keegan and Gary Campbell was also from here. They all were doing really well out here and they started their own troupe and it did really, really well. So they kind of broke away from the theater sports world, but they heard about the theater sports Toronto world where these other guys were happening. So they said, we're going to go to Toronto and just check them out. And like, it was one of those things where like, you know, like uh, game, no game, you know, that thing, like they're sort of checking each other out and you're not funny. They're not funny. And then they saw each other perform and they went, okay, they're funny. And then it was one of those things. If I can't conquer them, we'll at least merge, you know? Uh, And so that's what they did. Uh, Where did did the name come from, by the way? It's actually uh, from the Sid Caesar show, um, which was an old 1950s TV comedy where guys like Mel Brooks and Neil Simon and Carl Reiner were writers and they would talk about, uh, they would give their jokes. Actually, there's two stories about this. One is that it's the Seeds Easier. One is that it's the Milton Berle show. And this is one of the problems in the book. Both both halves of the troupe don't know. But the point is, it's an old comedy writer thing. They would So the uh, the star of the show would tell a joke, and if it was one of the ones that they paid like $50 for, they'd say, we got this from one of the kids in the hall. Like Literally, there were kids, young comedy writers, in the hallways of these buildings yeah. selling their jokes. So when they started their troupe, they were all pretty young. I always thought it was symbolic, too, because they were the kids outside the mainstream. They were edgy. They were new. And they weren't in the room. They were in the hall, you know. And so they kind of broke their way in. Uh, where, where did Scott Thompson come in? Then? Now, Scott, Scott had been a drama student at York University in Toronto. And he, he, uh, he had been really interested in comedy at this point, but he hadn't ever thought he was going to be a comedian. He goes to see 
the uh, audience and the kids in the hall performing together, merging. And he's so enthralled with them that he disrupts one of their shows in a very weird way. They can I tell you the gag? Oh yeah. So yeah. they had. They had planned to do a gag in the show where there were jelly donuts taped under the seats like the way Oprah Winfrey would have done on her show. And the, they had this bit, and you're not supposed to notice that the donuts are there until they say, look under your seats, you'll find a donut. Scott somehow noticed the donuts early, and he started <laughs> gathering them. And during the show, to get their attention, he started hurling the donuts at them. Wow. And they're really mad. They're mad. Like, the, oh, sure. you're rooting the get. And, and he says to them... I want to be in your troop, like it was like love at first sight, kind of like he said. I want to be in your troop so bad. You're gonna, you're, gonna, I'm gonna be part of your troop. And they're like, who the hell are you? You just ruined our show. <laughs> and then they went, and then Mark went and checked him out the next night in his own troop called the Love Cats. And he said, and he said to the others, you know that guy who whipped the donuts, he's actually pretty good. So he brought a whole energy that they didn't have, and that kind of made it come alive. Wow, well, that's quite the story. Yeah, because it could have gone really badly at that well, point. Well, could well have gone, but if you know anything about Scott Thompson. Everything he does is just on the edge, and it's amazing how he pulls it off. Like he can, he's like the Sullenberger. He can land any plane on any river. Like he's just yeah. like he's that kind of guy. He's daring, and, and seems to have good instincts. Well, he is, and I mean, you know, certainly they they were cutting edge humor, right? And and yeah. and I think that's why they built such a following. But in in terms of Scott as as a personality. Uh, and even as a gay personality on TV, in, in some ways he was, was it fair to say he was more groundbreaking than the others? Well, yeah, I think as Lorne Michaels, who's the producer of Saturday Night Live, who discovered the kids in the hall or put them on TV, he said, you know, they were the next step from Saturday Night Live had been kind of edgy for its time. Right. And then the kids in the hall, by, by virtue of even having a gay member and doing sketches where there was just a gay guy in the troupe and also that they played women not as caricatures of women. They kind of just played women like they needed a woman character in the scene and there's only five guys in the troupe. They didn't make a big deal about it. They didn't right. put balloons down their tops, you know? <laughs> and I think that they were kind of, uh, for certainly for sexual politics, and it was pretty groundbreaking when they were in the clubs mm-hmm. in Toronto even. there, You know, there was times when people, you know, like, and I don't even know if I can use some of the words that they used on stage, probably not on radio. <laughs> Maybe not. In, like, <laughs> run to the delay. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, but uh, I won't do it. I won't do that to you. But yeah, they were definitely pushing it and scott was a large reason yeah and but that that, that did well it maybe was an obstacle in, in some respects but i mean looking back uh they, they get on cbc they get on hbo yeah was that in spite of how edgy they were or was it because of it i think i think you'd have to say that it was because of it i think because it made them original and i think there was a time when two things happened there yvonne fetson at the cbc had worked with lorne michaels so he when Lauren got word of the show and Yvonne was at CBC, so that, that helped them get uh, some credibility right there. And then because of Lauren Michaels, they could get on HBO because he had a name. So then they were given this clean slate to do it, you know, and then make or break, right? Like, and they got canceled by HBO and then won an award, a Cable Ace Award. They beat Gary Shandling actually for an award <laughs> and that saved them for another two seasons. And then they got canceled again, and CBS picked them up. So they were, and CBC was always with them. But the, it, definitely the edginess made them original, and that made people feel like going to bat for them. Well, and Scott Thompson, he was on the Larry Sanders show, wasn't he? Well, that's the interesting right? thing. <laughs> so they beat Gary Shandling. I guess there's no hard feelings there, because eventually when the Kids in the Hall went off the air in 95, 95, 96, that's when uh, um, Bruce gets, I mean, Scott gets on there as... Uh, 
And he said he, he plays an openly gay, openly Canadian character. He makes more of a big deal about the openly Canadian part. You know what I mean? It's sort of like, yeah. uh, it's like the first openly Canadian character on, on American TV. Uh, so that award kind of saved them. But, but, I mean, going back further, when you talk about Lorne Michaels, yeah. who was, you know, such an influential guy in, in yeah. TV, and he's obviously a, a Canadian himself. Yes. I mean, if, if he hadn't gone to bat for these guys, then you can forget about everything that preceded it. You got to say, yeah. I mean, who knows? I mean, uh, it's, yeah, every, every story, as you know, you've talked to a million people, and you probably have this in your own life. One person goes to bat for you that changes everything. And if that person hadn't been there, you just think, what if, you know? And, and in the case of Lorne Michaels, it's also the right time because he had like that uh, reputation, you know, yeah. and the credibility, the clout, I think they call it, you know? So yeah, definitely you're right. Uh, there's another maybe lesser known figure who, who was important in all of this. And, and fans of the X-Files will remember the, the cigarette smoking. Yes. Yes. Yeah. How does he connect to, to the kids in the hall? Well, this is, yeah, this will become the trivia question in a future version of Trivial Pursuit. But William B. Davis was the actor who played the smoking man on uh, the X-Files. And uh, he was, uh, he had a comedy or no, a uh, an improv or acting school. And Kevin McDonald uh, got a lot of help from him. And a lot of advice from him, and he was he was studied with him. But it was like, uh, just uh, Kevin had not really been interested in. He wanted to be a writer, I think, and then he sort of got steered towards Second City, uh, which is you know the theater troupe in Toronto. And uh, it just so so yeah. Suddenly, the smoking man is in this story, which uh, who knew? You know, <laughs> like there's a lot of things I learned that way, like about this book. But the, the, where you just you wouldn't have expected a certain name to show up at a certain time. Uh, so the, uh, after the TV show was done, and, and they all kind of went their their separate ways. So some of them, a couple of them, ended up writing for Saturday Night Live, right? Well, actually, this is interesting because they it was during the before the TV series. Uh, Lauren Michaels had seen the kids in the hall in Toronto, and they thought, "Great, we're going to get discovered." And then Lauren says, "I want you and you to be writers." So he took uh, Bruce and Mark, uh, ironically the ones who'd been in Calgary. Right. Way to go, Calgary. And he took them to New York, and it looked like the troupe had, was going to break up, but they didn't. And so many times they didn't break up. Then they came back to Toronto after they left Saturday Night Live, and they picked it up again. And then Lauren said, okay, now I think I should work with all of you. So he'd worked with Bruce and, and Mark, and he realized that maybe the whole troupe would be worth working with. So that definitely, it's interesting. He had a one shot with them earlier, and then, you know, and then, and then Mark joined Saturday Night Live after... After Kids in the Hall went off the air, Mark was a cast member on Saturday Night Live for two seasons. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. And, and look, the show obviously elevated all of them. Uh, yeah. And it had a, a considerable following. It, it did allow them to, to go on and do a lot of different things. Yeah. Um, but through it all, as you say, they, they were always still, and maybe still are, a, a group. Does it seem that way? Yeah, they're more than a they're more than a group now. They're they consider themselves brothers. Yeah, and it's an interesting story. I I I know I wrote this book and I'm selling this book and all that. I honestly think it's one of the most amazing stories about how these guys fought like dogs. They're all creative, competitive people, young bucks pushing for their own thing. Yeah. Eventually, through various tragedies and various setbacks, they get unified. And now when they look at each other, they go, that guy's my favorite comedy performer. And I'm glad to be on stage with him. And they'll go off and do other things, but they're always planning the next thing together. Well, and, and it is an interesting success story in the sense that they stayed true to who they were and what they wanted to do. And not everybody got their humor. No, no, it's very much, if you like the kids in the hall, you have a certain, you're a certain thing. And they all 
they know each other too. Like the kids recognize you if you like them, you <laughs> yeah. know. And Bruce McCullough says you know, he always felt like an outsider and a loser. And they, when they went on tour the first time in America, they, America of all places, there's people coming up to them. Then they're all the guys and girls who were like the lost children. And they all come to the show and they always think, how come there's so many people here? I thought I was the only person who liked you guys. Yeah, right. And that's that's that that's when you know you've got a cult, you know. <laughs> well, it's Seth Meyers, no no relation to you, I, I believe. Yes, no Myers, no no yeah, different Seth, spelling uh, too. Seth Meyers wrote the foreword to this book, yeah. and, and he talks about his own. You know how he, you know, there was this. You know, he'd heard about this group. He'd yeah. kind of watch like, you know, bootleg videos almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Videotapes would be passed around, but once he really found out about the yeah. kids in the hall, I mean, he was. He was fully in, right? Well, another, yeah, and we were so honored to have Seth. Like, I approached, you know, I'd been dealing with Lauren Michaels' company, and they produced the Seth Meyers Show, and I said, I saw that Seth was a fan somewhere, and I said, I wonder if he would, yeah, he's an eloquent guy, he writes his own material, and I asked him, I sent an email to somebody who was supposed to send it to him, and those things never work, right? You send it to the publicist. Yeah, exactly. just get, <laughs> I get an email from Seth. Like really? two days later saying, what do you need? How, how many words do you need? And I said, well, well, anything. If you want to do a paragraph, that's fine. He did like about two pages. Yeah. And one of the great things about this book was discovering how many of these people, like Judd Apatow, Paul Feig, and Fred Armisen from Portlandia, and all these people had been seeing the kids in the hall in second run on Comedy Central and States. And they, it changed their view of comedy, you know? And that's amazing to me. If you think about, these guys are all making the comedy now. And then now, the Baroness Von Sketch show on CBC, you've got uh, an all-female troupe or all-women all troupe, and they're, they're completely influenced by a bunch of guys who dressed as women. I know. It's, it's interesting. It's amazing. And, and they're also, I think they are the next wave, you know, Baroness. Mm. So it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's neat how, to see how they've influenced people. Oh, totally. Um, now, some of them have written their own books, but obviously the, they wanted to participate as a unit in, in this project. So what, what was their reason for wanting to do this, and how did this all come together? Well, there's a couple of things. I think you're speaking about Bruce, who wrote uh, uh, Bruce McCullough wrote uh, uh, "Let's Start a Riot" a couple of years ago, which was about his Calgary years as yeah. well as his Hollywood years. And uh, but that was just his story, and 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 I knew that there wasn't a story. I'd been asking them for a few years. I'd written books on. Well, my first book was about the bare naked ladies because I was a, a, a musician in Toronto and I'd become a writer. And they said, "You know us. You should write our book." And it was like they drafted me to do that. <laughs> that started me off twenty years ago. And then, and then I did a book about Long John Baldry. And then I did a book about Todd Rundgren, the music producer from the seventies, who's also a great artist. And in this process, I learned how to write biographies and how to get the names. Like I got. You know, Patty Smith for the Todd Rundgren book. I got Eric Clapton for the Long John Baldry book. I sort of know how to do that. So I thought, if I'm going to do something, but my next book, maybe I should finally do the Kids in the Hall book. Yeah. Wrote them a lovely letter. You know, a bit of a, <laughs> bit of a blowing smoke letter, <laughs> right. but it was all true. And they they said, you know, the 30th is coming up. Uh, we trust you. I was at every taping, not every tape, I was at every, a lot of the junctures in their career. Mm -hmm. I was at the clubs in the Rivoli in Toronto. I was at the tapings of the TV show. I was on the set of the movie Brain Candy that they made. And I've seen them in the tours over the years. And they go, well, he knows. He's around. And I know comedy. They know I'm a big comedy nerd. I'm a major aficionado of comedy. So they kind of thought, if anyone's going to drive this thing, you know, and I I'm, I'm feel bad sort of telling a compliment that I got, but they, they said, I'm the kind of, kind of the one guy they would trust to do this. 
So are, are you the one dumb guy? <laughs> well, that's the funny thing about that. So the one dumb guy title comes from the fact that they, they're pretty open about the fact that they've made bad business decisions. And they say, you know, we're five smart guys, but together we're one dumb guy. <laughs> okay, so there you but go. what's been happening is I, do an, I did an event in Toronto with Bruce and, and uh, Scott, and it was on the bill as one dumb guy with two kids in the hall. So I'm the dumb guy. <laughs> So I don't mind being the dumb guy. I'll do anything to be, uh, I'll take anything, you know. All right. So uh, you're in town for WordFest, 7 o'clock tonight, the Memorial Park Library. Looking forward to it. Yeah, it should be a lot of fun. The Kids in the Hall, One Dumb Guy is the book. Paul Myers, so great having you with us here. Thanks so much for coming in. Thank you so much. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.